float to live. The sea recites as wind regales. It tugs at tides unceasing echo. Anchors between land and thoughts of land. I'm Eleanor Hooker. I'm a helm and lifeboat press officer at Loch Durgorn Alai. I'm a poet and I'm currently doing a PhD in creative writing at the University of Limerick. Um, Neve Stevenson, who is our media manager for Ireland, invited me to write a poem to celebrate the bicentenary of the Ornalai. And I didn't want to write something that was um, sycophantic or, or saccharine, or I, I wanted to write something that absolutely captured the essence of what the Ornalai means to me. And um, going out on rescues, I see fear in, in some of the people we come up to help. It's like a rabid creature and they're clutching it in their hands and, and they, they know that if they let go, it'll run around the boat and might even infect the people who are coming to assist them. And having been rescued myself in a situation where we were in extremists, I completely empathize with that. So I wanted to capture that nuance. Um, and Float to Live is a, is a campaign by the Ornalai and it has saved lives and young kids are giving testimonies about how it saved them. So I wanted to harness the the feeling I had of being rescued and in addition um, use the flute to live because I think that's what it's that's that's at essence what the Ornelai is about. It's going out and if we can bringing people home. My legs fall beneath. We all float differently and the sea talks to itself. Soundings in my ears as I tilt my stare to watch rain translate the sky. Silence is, is so loud on a boat. When you're looking at people, you can read from the color of their skin, the dilated pupils, what they're saying, what they're not saying. Um, and that's fear. Um, and you, one of the most priceless pieces of kit an Ornelai crew member has is a smile. You know, even if you think, oh, golly, this is this is mayhem, you smile and you never allow the people that you're trying to rescue to think, oh, my, you know, th th this is incredible. This is how do people get into this situation? It's completely non-judgmental. But what you do recognize is fear. And you cannot allow that to cross the, the cross over the, the, the gunnel of their boat into the lifeboat. So you've got to smile. And that is armory. So you go on, you say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And we're, if we can't bring you home in your boat, we're just going to bring you home in ours. And, and having been there and having been snatched out of the water, I so get it. Many years ago, um, I was sailing with um, two friends in um, our Shannon One design. They're 18-foot boats. They're clinker-built, um, 144-square sail. They're Jurassic. The closest, If you want to get closer to the water, you just get in. And we were sailing a fleet of 50, and we watched... We all the boats bar three. We were at the back of the fleet. I don't think that's a reflection on our sailing, but it probably is. We watched the entire fleet pass Goose Island and head for shelter. And behind us, we could see this 
darkening sky and the the water um the water in Loch Derg is mostly gray but it was turning black with with anger and we thought we need to get back in and and ahead of us wooden boom there wooden booms we could hear the explosive crack as it fractured we somebody else's mast went and Sue and I who was the helmswoman I was the sheet hand um the girl in the bow is ballast so she moves from port to side you know port to starboard the whole time balancing the boat but her background was horse polo, so she could see what was happening. And the last thing I remember her saying is, I'm not going to drown today. And she jumped overboard. But when she did that, the coordination and the rhythm and the control that Sue and I had was lost. And we had a very, very violent um, capsize. I remember Granny um, years ago saying, always carry a penknife because if that sail comes over you, you're going to need to cut your way out. So I remember patting the front of my life jacket um, yeah, it's there. And then being under the water and I think, why am I under the water? I shouldn't be under the water. I should be floating. Um, there's, you know, and I, and looking up at the light and thinking, I need to get back up there. That's where I'm going to survive. Um, and I know it sounds terribly dramatic. And in those moments, everything slows down and gets terribly calm. And it's not a calm situation at all. Um, and as I surfaced, I was really f- far away from the the dinghy, it was it had gone turtle, meaning it completely un, um, turned over. And I could hear Sue screaming at the rescue, Eleanor's trapped under the boat. But as I tried to call back, I'm not, I'm here. My, my voice just got carried off on the wind and she couldn't hear me. And I just thought, I'm just going to tread water here. I'm, I'm going to be fine. Um, they're concentrating on the two over there. I extend both hands to grasp what reaches back and the sea coils round to troll my shoal of memories. I tip my toes north and east, and the sea slaps my soul. I was cold, and I was irrational, and I was frightened. As the vault above opens, and stars bloom on the axis of night, the sea settles, bears me up, weighing me and countless more. Sea grows damp in my bones. I wasn't even aware that the rescue vessel was behind me until I felt hands grabbing my life jacket and unceremoniously landing me in the center of their boat like a, a fish. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking, how dare they sit on me? I need to get back in the water to help Sue. In fact, um, they were right. You know, if you've somebody on um, a lifeboat, you never allow them to get back in the water to assist. And so when I wrote this poem, um, I'm, at, I'm beyond the stage of, of the struggle and the fright and where you come, you're breathing down, you think it's going to be okay. Somebody's so this poem is has quietened down where the person's lying flat on the water. They're just looking at the universe, looking back at them, and they're just waiting for that flash of orange through the waves. It's at night, so what you're going to see is a flash of orange and blue flashing, and um the wonderful crew lighting up and flicking, you know, the, the flick of the lights, which it lights their helmet and their life jacket. Um, it's it's a wonderful sight to see. I follow a satellite's drunken path past Pegasus and wonder how the sober strobe in my chest signals. I wonder too if I'll be found and brought back and when. Engines growl as the lifeboat parts the night's dark silks. Your shout over there and your plea to hold on as the sea holds on. And at night, when I watch 
you know, if I'm not training that night and I'm watching crew leave and I can see as they they leave what we call the hippo pond and go out into the lake, it's like going down into a big mouth. There's Our lake is so dark. It's like the dark darkest side of the moon. But I watch them leave and the, their, their kit flash with light and then nothing. And all I can hear then is the engine as they head off and do their exercise into the dark. So, so the poem is at the calm side of a rescue. And, um, but my writing group who looked at it, they said, should you not inject fear into the poem? And I said, um, the, the, the poem is, is, has, has uh, dealt with that outside of the poem and they have dealt with the capsize and the, the horror. Um, in fact, they, the, the, their perception was that it was a swimmer and that's fine too because the person's on their own. But I've gone to the next stage where you have to calm down, you have to calm your breathing, um, and you have to float to live. But your grip is more convincing, and the sea lets go. You swaddle and soothe, say what a heart needs to heal, as you carry me back to land wet footprints on the world. My husband and I returned to Ireland in 2002, having lived in the UK for 15, 16 years. And so we came back to his great-grandparents' house. And it, it, it mean, meant so much to me to join the RNLI and become part of, I know that everybody uses it and it's almost like a cliche, but it isn't, to become part of the RNLI family, to become part of something that really mattered. Um, I wasn't going to go back to nursing um, once we came to Ireland. I was, you know, I wanted to help our sons um, just settle down and, and be there for them. And I wanted to focus on my writing as well. But it, just to be part of something that was giving back in a really important and life-changing way for many people um, to, to, our, to my community. It was a way to, to get to know people. Um, and, and the crew are entirely tolerant of the fact that I'm so verbose you know, I can see their eyes glaze over sometimes when I speak and then I think I need to stop talking. But it's just being part of something so important. And, you know, I know that there are people alive today with families um, who might not have been had we not been there. We've made, you know, we've made existential differences to to people's lives, to the to the greater community. And I remember, it, it gives me that same sense of, um, uh, I don't know, it's, when I was working in intensive care and we were able to wean somebody off a, a ventilator and get them back to the ward, when all of the, the 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 statistics were saying this person isn't going to survive, and when you go out into conditions where you can't find someone and they're in the darkest part part of the lake and you can shine um, your light down into that dark tunnel and find someone and bring them out of it, you know it's 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 so rewarding. And it's it's not really, um, you know, that sounds like it's, it's all about me, me, but it's not. It's just, it's just been a part of something that matters. When the world is so cynical and you're doing something, you're going out and you're, you're going out to people you've never met and will probably never meet again. Um, and and the, the drive is um, humanity, to do something that's important. Life matters, it's precious. Hello, this is Jim Moyer, and you've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices, or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.
Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.